Welcome. Welcome, everyone. This is the very first episode of the Million Vegan Grandmothers podcast. And I have the honor of interviewing and sharing conversation with my beautiful friend and fellow vegan grandmother, Reverend Beth Love. And I'm not going to give a long introduction because I want Beth to share you know, her biggest passions and, and greatest work that's going on right now with her organization, Eat for the Earth. So I'm going to introduce her as my fellow friend and trailblazer for all of us that are living in a way to sustain the earth and to heal her, to heal her and to bring us home you know, to bring us home to who we really are, as Judy Carmen, another grandmother says, homo ahim says. So Beth, I would love it if you just jumped right in and started sharing whatever you feel like sharing about your organization that has been growing astronomically and is supporting so many people and communities eat for the earth. Thanks, Beth. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Tammy. What an honor to be the first guest on your podcast. And I'm so excited about your podcast and so appreciative of all that you bring to this world and your fierce commitment to being a vegan grandmother and a, a way shower and a pioneer on this earth. So thank you. Um, I guess in order to understand Eat for the Earth, it's important for people to understand me and my passions, as you said, my passions. Um, since I was a child, I knew that I wanted to change the world. And I even figured out how <laughs> by about the age of 10 years old, I realized that if we were raising children in a way that allowed them to blossom, that supported them in having their needs met, that gave them the tools that they needed to interact peacefully with each other and to make a positive contribution in the world, that we would have adults that would grow up from those children that would change the world, that that would be the way that we could bring about world peace and a world in which everybody was fed and nourished and so many other great things. Um, I'm 65 years old. And so I wasn't so aware of the climate crisis or the biodiversity crisis or any of those things, but I knew the children needed to be treated well, that they needed love, that they needed care and that they needed to be respected. And so my life um, continued along those lines. I, I, by, the, by the time I was nine, I was caring for my little sister. Um, by the time I was uh, a teenager, I was caring for my own daughter. And shortly thereafter, still in my teens, uh, teaching in and co-leading a Montessori school. So I had my first career in Montessori education, um, going on the same passion, the same intuition that if we could raise the children well, if we could give the children what they need, we could change the world in a positive way. And eventually along the, the path, I learned that having the children be well-raised involved making sure that families had their needs met. And so I, I worked with families as well. And I founded a ministry. Um, I co-founded a church and within that church founded the families ministry and worked with children and families to make sure that um, the families knew, the parents knew that they could get support, that they could get tools, that there could be a place where they could vent when they needed because this job of parenting is so difficult, so challenging and yet so rewarding. And that the children could learn skills like meditating and um, being in community together and contributing to a community. 
Uh, I also ran Montessori schools. Um, oh, I mentioned that I ran many Montessori schools or several and um, also worked with adults to help them heal their childhood wounds because the reason we have so, so much difficulty raising our children is that we have been wounded in our childhoods ourselves. And so I was so fixated, so focused on this idea of supporting children and families and felt like I was really making a difference with the people I was working with, the, the children who could meditate, the parents who felt like they had support, men in the state prison system who I was uh, volunteering with to help them heal their childhood wounds, adult learners, et cetera, et cetera. And then I had a wake up call in 2015. And um, I, I was led to, I was guided very clearly to leave the church, the organization that I had helped to found almost 20 years previously and that I loved, where I really loved my work. I felt so um, satisfied in my work. Um, I, I didn't know why, but the universe was like, you, you've got something else to do, get out of here. So I, I made my arrangements to leave. I left and within a week of leaving, I saw the movie Cowspiracy. Mm. Now I've been um, uh, at that point, plant-based vegan for um, 20 plus years and vegetarian for 20 plus before that. And I absolutely knew that what we eat impacts the earth. And I knew that it was the single most powerful act that anyone can take going vegan to make a lighter contribution on the earth. I already knew that. But there was something about seeing that movie within a week after leaving my job while I was in this question of what do you want from me, God, that showed me the way forward. It was like, okay, all this good work that I've been doing, you know, it doesn't matter how much, how many children can meditate or how many parents have tools to support those children or how many adults are healing their childhood wounds. If we don't have a habitable planet on which our children can play and laugh and sing and dance and work and make contributions and grow long, healthy lives, then what does any of that matter? None of it matters. There's really only one cause, in my opinion, that matters right now. And that is the cause of a human presence on earth that is healthy, sustainable, just, compassionate, well-fed. And I mean the entire human presence. And if and this is our great call. This is our great wake-up call right now. This this breakdown of the biosphere that's happening. Um, you know, the Earth is going to be fine no matter what happens. But will we still be around? Is a big question. Will the other beautiful beings with whom we share this Earth still be around? That's a big question. And if we don't get that right, that's like the base of Maslow's hierarchy, right? We need to get that part right. We need to ensure the survival and then the thriving of all life on earth. And so I, um, I had a direction. I started teaching people how to make good vegan food. I started um, teaching classes, running programs, supporting people, coaching, helping this transition that must occur to a plant-powered world, plant-powered human presence on earth. And, um, and I had a lot of fun for a couple of years doing that. And then after about two years, I kind of looked, um, looked back at what I'd done over the last two years. And I thought, well, here's my goal, a habitable earth for our children. And here's what I've done. You know, maybe 20 people have shifted toward plant-based or become plant-based, maybe a little more than that. And this pace is not strong enough. This, um, this impact is not strong enough. I have too much capacity in me from all of my different experiences 
to be working in this way one-on-one -on -one with people, small groups. I need to do something bigger in terms of systems change. And that's when I spent a year really having conversations with people. That's when I met Dr. Silas Rao, as a matter of fact, and other leaders in the field. And I just asked this question, what can somebody do? You know, what's being done? What are the gaps that you see? What can one person do? And after all those conversations and all that deep thinking for a year, I launched Eat for the Earth on January 19th, 2019 to a standing room only crowd in my home, uh, 40 plus people, fed everybody a really delicious, very, very wholesome plant-based meal, locally grown organic, and um, then gave people a presentation on the impact of diet on our environment. And almost everybody there signed up to volunteer with Eat for the Earth and a good handful or more uh, signed up to be in our leadership team. And that was the beginning of Eat for the Earth. I can understand that, Beth. I have watched you in the kitchen and, and your uh, beautiful food book, Tastes Like Love, which has a beautiful uh, play of words with your last name. And um, food is love. So how, how did that feel when you first launched your Eat for the Earth, Fed People, which is what it's all about, feeding people. That's what, that's what we do and feeding people food that nourishes them because so many people have lots of food, but they're undernourished. Right. right. Or over, or overfed. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It felt really good. Um, it felt really, really amazing. What happened was that there was, uh, I've been friend, you know, kind of talking it up and promoting through various channels. Um, and there was, as often happens in my area, Santa Cruz, it might happen elsewhere. It was like a trickle of people registering. And by 24 hours before the event, I think we had 12 people registered. And so I was going forward with this idea that, you know, like my venue was just fine. And then it just started in the last 24 hours, it just started exploding. We had uh, close to 70 people registered and 40 plus showed up. Um, and just that, that, that bit of it was just like, it was exhilarating. It was like, okay, God, I, I, I did, I did what you're telling me to do. It was like, yes, this is, this is the universe saying yes to my yes. And um, it's been that way throughout the history of Eat for the Earth. You know, it's like I falter in my faith at times, but when I'm strong in my faith, you know, we've been so well supported. This organization has always had what it needs. And it's been it, my, I now have, we, we now have two paid staff. You know, short time later, we have two paid staff, me and our program coordinator, Maria Jose Hummel. And she often uh, says that what's happening with us is providential. And that's not exactly my language, but, you know, it definitely feels like God's fingerprints are all over this organization. And I am so grateful for that. And I just keep praying to be in alignment um, and to have it be not my will, but thine be done and, and be in a state of humble expectancy, while also claiming and, um, and knowing that there are things for me to do and there are ways for me to show up as my big self. Um, so it's not, about, uh, it's not about being a puppet, being tugged around by a God in the sky, but being a co-creator with the divine and, and trusting that even though there are forces in the world that appear to be huge, that appear to be counter to our mission, of a plant-powered world, of a vegan world. There are these huge forces, but they are—they do not have the last say, then they are not as powerful as the one that we serve and that we are. Thank you, Beth. 
Beautifully said, you know, and I, I wonder how many people when they're asked to step up, you know, that divine, you know, well, who am I is often the question. And, you know, Marianne Williamson would often say, well, who are you not to, who are you not to step up into what you've been called into? Mm-hmm. But it provides its challenges, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's constant filling the space and the faith and the understanding that we will always be given what we need to continue on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it brings me to just a bit of um, maybe a bit of a sidebar that I think about a lot in this area. This, the, one of the, the greatest gifts that come from that as a vegan, and I've experienced it with so many vegans, when I step out into the world and I see how much suffering there is and just the lack of brightness in people's eyes. And then I connect with my community that are very um, committed, you know, to, to solving this and to knowing that it's so, that it's possible, not just possible, but holding such a deep faith that you do. And Dr. Silas Rao and, you know, Judy Carmen and Dr. Will Tuttle, and there's so many people that are holding the faith and working towards it in joy, in joy, you know? I see the freedom. I see the freedom in their eyes. That they understand something that we can't understand unless we understand that liberating, that liberating humans, earth, and animals is what we're here for. And so we support that by the way we eat and we work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um it's a process and it's a process that continually refines and grows me. You know, I can um it's it's this beautiful honor and you know doing this work is is what helps me to stay upbeat and positive because I feel like I'm making a difference however small I'm supporting the needle and shifting toward where it needs to be and otherwise I would be in despair and I think a lot of people are in despair and a lot of people are anesthetizing because that despair and the the cultures in which we swim particularly you know I'm aware of, of the culture in the United States it encourages people to anesthetize and it encourages overwhelm. Um, But when we take action, when we take action to make a difference and fill our lives with people who are interested and moving in that direction, taking action, then we can become a really powerful force for good on this earth. And I absolutely believe that we have so much power with our, with our consciousness. And so it's, it's this onus that I feel not to deny those feelings of despair when I go there once in a while, not to just deny the, the, the size of the challenge before us or to split off any part of myself, to allow those parts to have voices, but to keep coming back to the faith, to keep coming back, to keep bringing my mind back into alignment with the truth principle, which is that we are co-creating this earth and we have the power with God to um to do what needs to be done and that that is really um what keeps me going i I was reminded of a little story can i share a little story um so just yeah just to be fully humble as well as you know stand in my powerful self but also be fully humble you know it's like this moment to moment practice really we were um invited to um to attend an event where uh environmental organizations were going to be tabling and so I said, well, gosh, could we table? And I, it's the first I had heard about the event. So it was a little late in the process. And she said, let me check. 
when she finally got back to me, she said, you can table, but you have to come by yourself because we're at capacity on the building. So I, um, I hesitated be because, uh, we, you know, we, we do food sampling at events. We, we put out these big displays. You know, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big production when we table. And um, so I said to her, well, can I have some setup and teardown help? And she said, uh, can, I bring, can I bring some setup and tear down help? And she said, no, we'll have plenty of volunteers that can help with that. So I showed up, the event was outside. The venue that was packed was inside. Um, I could have had 10 volunteers and they didn't have volunteers to help me, but luckily someone at the booth next door helped me. So I just watched myself like through that whole hour, you know, hour of setup and hour of the event kind of going into this victim place and having to kind of pull myself off of it over and over again. And what happened was so interesting because the main event was the talks that were happening inside and the resource fair was before that. And very few people showed up to the resource fair. So there was this kind of feeling of stress, like this real human experience of Oh my God, it's windy. I didn't bring sandbags. The banner's falling down. I have to let go of the banner, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like that whole kind of stressful human experience while I'm continuously going, okay, if I speak to one person a day that changes their diet or that invites me to talk or, you know, whatever, like it's going to be worth it and just continuing to pull myself out of it. And what happened was maybe 50 people attended the resource fair, maybe 12 people came to my table. But we got invitations to two more big events involving youth, one of them organized by young people. And we got invited to speak at two Cabrillo College classes. And we got invited to come speak at the County Commission on the Environment. So like it was, it was just like a, if I keep the faith and if I keep stepping into it and I keep dealing with those parts of myself that are so human and saying, this is your calling, you know, you are here on purpose. And it doesn't matter if you don't have your team to tote your stuff, you know, or to help you set up or to serve the samples or whatever. God is enough and God is with you. And that's enough. And just if I keep doing that, it's like so much magic happens. There was even more than that in terms of connections that were made in that small, in that small group, small window of time with all that chaos. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that because, you know, it's when I coach people, um, it's the number one thing to clear in order to, you know, rock our mission is to get rid of that victim. And, you know, people have a real difficulty with that word, but it simply means um, feeling like there's something wrong and that we have been wrong done by somehow. <laughs> You know, and it's like, no, you know, like Rabbi Cousins said, you know, beautiful uh, Dr. Cousins, who I studied with, Gabriel Cousins, is that if it's happening, it's meant to be happening. And it, and the universe, you know, has our back. And, and I, that's what I've seen in you. The, all the time I've known you, Beth, mm. is your ability to transmute, transmute mm. whatever's happening into faith. I've, I've seen... Um, I've seen sometimes, you know, that that stress in the moment of preparing and then the ability for you to come back into alignment. Oh. And truly, that's what we're all here for, that humble, humbling experience of, of, of the human experience, you know. I think it is how quickly we return. It's not that we leave, 
how quickly we return and go, this is my mission. I had that humbling experience yesterday, you know, with an organization that I am working with. And I was like, where do I, how do I manage this? I'm not a very organized person. How do I fit it in? And then it's shifting that a vision gives us something to hold on to in the stormy weather. Absolutely. Vision allows us to keep getting up and knowing that we are making a difference just by showing up. Mm-hmm. Letting, letting the rest happen but yeah. truly showing up fully no matter what's happening you know dental surgery or you know bills that are barely getting paid you just show up and it's taken care of absolutely absolutely yeah yeah vision vision is key and support is key you know uh, in this in this movement we must support each other and get support because um, because it, what we're doing is so countercultural, and so we need to surround ourselves with people who will uh, lift us up and remind us who we are when we forget. And you're you're a good sister for that, my my friend Cami. Well, let, that's a great segue into you sh- sharing a little bit more about what specifically you're doing for Eat for the Earth, and then a little bit about um, joining. You're you're one of the uh, first of the women that came together. Uh, the grandmother, the grandmother energy that's come to a million vegan grandmothers through climate healers. So if you would love to share a little bit about Eat for the Earth and and some of the deep passions that you're feeling and you're seeing unfold and that you're visioning for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to. Mm-hmm. I'd love to. So, um, so one of the things that I loved about my old job was the combination of one-on-one connection or group connection, being able to work with people directly and see the change, and then also being able to do systems change, create, create projects and things. And this is one of the things that's coming to pass about Eat for the Earth is that it's this beautiful combination of being able to support individuals to make this journey to a, a diet that is good for them, good for the earth and good for all life kind while also seeing systems change. So I'll give you two examples of that in the work that we're doing right now. One of them is with our uh, program, which we call Salude and Tu Plato, Salude Health um, and Tu On Your Plato Plate. Um, When we're we're delivering the program to Spanish speakers and we call it Community Rx, Community Prescription, when we're delivering it to English speakers. And um, this program has absolutely exploded. We did a, a pilot in last spring, in spring of 2022, where which was mostly a learning experience, on, honestly, a very humbling learning experience, um, where we um, made some good connections, made some good partnerships, but didn't have very many people in the program. Um, but what the program is, is it's a, a it's a 10-day immersion in a whole food plant-based lifestyle with biometric testing beforehand and after so that people can notice the changes in their bodies, which they notice within a few days, they report that they're, that they're sleeping better, that they're less depressed, that they're, um, that they're digesting better, that they have more energy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that happens within a few days. And at the end, they get these test results and our results have been remarkable. We have not had one single person we've done now, um, five rounds of the program, including the we have not had one single round where there was anybody who had who had not improved in some biomarker, cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, triglycerides, glucose, um, BMI, um, blood pressure, blood sugar, something shifts. 
And for some of them, everything shifts. And for some of them, everything shifts dramatically. For example, in our round in December, um, there were some people whose uh, LDL, a number of people whose LDL cholesterol was too high to measure. At the end, nobody's LDL was too high to measure. And at least two people, it was down at such a safe range, down in the 60s, that um, Dr. Michael Greger would call them heart attack proof. So to go from deadly levels of <clears throat> the contributor to our number one killer disease, heart, heart disease, to heart attack proof in 10 days is pretty remarkable. So we're doing this and the, the systems change aspect is that we're doing it in partnership with healthcare institutions and with community organizations. So for example, uh, the, the round in December, which we had 34 people sign up for and 34 people do, um, we did it in conjunction with a church and with a Seventh-day Adventist church where they eat lunch together after every service. So during the duration of the program, the whole community ate a plant-based, a whole food plant-based lunch without oil in it because they wanted to support their congregants who were in the program. So everybody got exposed and subsequently many more because they've heard the stories, they're signing up to take the program. So this is how we impact the system, right? There's a church, a community, where they get to see their own people go through this transformation. They're inspired by it. They want to support it. And more and more of them get involved so that it becomes the normal in their church for people to eat this way. We've been partnering with, uh, with a, um, a nonprofit clinic that serves the, the lowest income people in our community, primarily farm workers and other low wage workers who are uh, Latino or Hispanic. And they're in the part of the county that has the highest rates of poverty, the highest rates of diabetes, the highest rates of obesity, of course, because of the racism inherent in our food system, where people of color live in neighborhoods with less grocery stores and more convenience stores and, and fast food restaurants, where the marketing is often targeted more heavily toward children of color for these uh, junk foods and, uh, you know, hyper palatable foodstuffs and so forth. So we have this disparity within our community. Everybody has barriers to eating healthy. Everybody, carnism, you know, uh, the, the dominant paradigm, et cetera. Everyone has barriers, but some people have greater barriers than others. So we're targeting this population that has greater barriers and we're offering the, the program in a way that meets their needs. We, we learned that many of them don't have email or don't check email, can't log into an online program. So we're giving them Every day they're getting texts because they have smartphones and the texts have a link in them to a food demonstration or to a little a nutrition lesson, or um, we're giving them encouragement in the text. We're answering their questions. And, and we have three in-person meetings as well, where we feed them a delicious meal and we do the biometric testing beginning and, and end ourselves. And we're just having remarkable results and we're partnering with these clinics. So their healthcare providers are referring them and seeing the changes in them. So our intention is to change the way medicine is practiced in Santa Cruz County and to be a model for other counties that can do this as well. The next round is gonna be with the county clinic in, the, in that same part of the county. And the clinic manager himself is planning to take the program. He said, he said if you can get me to go plant-based, I'm a big meat, meat lover. If you can get me to go plant-based for five days, you get a medal. And I said, he was impressed by our results, by the way. That's why he was talking to us. 
And I said, well, what about if you do it for 10 days and take the program? And he said, I might do that. So now he says he's going to do it. And he's emailed his entire clinic staff and encouraging the staff to both take the program themselves and refer their patients. So that is systems change in process, right? And it's also changing individual lives. So that's what's exciting to me. The other example that I want to give in terms of individual plus systems change is that we were, um, we were invited to table at, at two pop-up fairs at local high schools, nutrition month pop-up fairs. And so we, we did one this week and then the next one is next week. And we said, here's what we do. We'd love to come table. We bring food samples. You know, we bring uh, interactive materials where the kids can learn through doing about the impact of environment on, of diet on environment. We have displays, we have literature. They said, that all sounds great. What kind of samples are you going to feed? Turns out the food services manager for the whole school district wanted us to sample foods that they could replicate in the cafeteria if the students liked them. So I changed the recipes from like one of the flan recipe I make with a lot with cashews, right? It's everybody loves it. It's really delicious. But I figured out a way to make it with oats because that's going to be more affordable for them to, to do um, on a on a scale. And it's going to be more it's going to be more likely to be able to be utilized. So developed recipes that they can actually go to scale with. And the kids liked all of them. So yeah. <laughs> so now they're going to be feeding taste like love recipes to the children in our Santa Cruz city schools. So wow. it's just so exciting. And then to have those, I, I was not there that at that event, I, one of our stellar volunteer leaders led that event, but I'll be at the high school this coming year, this coming week. But she said that, you know, like the conversations with the kids, you know, like, be able to change one person at a time, give them a big display that shows, okay, here's the environmental impact of different, the, the, let's say, for example, the uh, carbon emissions or carbon equivalent emissions of different foodstuffs and to have the little beef cow way up here and to have the tofu, you know, way down here and everything like all the animal stuff like this and then the plant stuff, whoa, down there. Like for kids to be able to see that when they care so much about the earth and they know they need it to be sustainable for them to live here. It's just like, it's it's an opportunity to make a, a personal impact while also impacting the institution. So that's what's exciting to me. So much. I'm so honored you're one of the million vegan grandmothers that have uh, joined our community and doing this work, Beth. And so how many volunteers do you have right now working with you? How many people are, are part of your association at this point? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, um, it's more of a kind of a movement and, a, um, you know, like, it's not we don't have a membership organization. So it's, it's hard to pin my, my, you know, pin down a number, but between our Facebook groups, our, our meetup, um, and our mailing list, uh, it's, we're approaching 2000 people who are some, somehow involved in somehow, some way they express an interest. And we have a strong core of volunteers, I would say about 15 that are very regularly involved. And then we have 60 or 70 people who um, are on the volunteer list and available and who I can call up and see if they're available that time. Um, we have a board of directors now because we incorporated as a nonprofit in 2021 and very active, amazing, phenomenal board of directors. And I, again, we have two staff members now, paid staff. Um, Maria Jose Hummel is a godsend. 
should we, you know, another another example how of how you know this organization has been so supported. We um, <clears throat> we did this pilot in the spring, and I knew the potential of it, and I also knew that we needed more support. One of the reasons that we really floundered with the spring pilot is that I don't speak very much Spanish, and the population that we're um, outreaching to is largely monolingual Spanish speakers or bilingual people who are more comfortable in Spanish. And I also didn't, even though I did so many participant interviews, you know, or, or informant interviews to talk to people about the population, I don't have the insider knowledge of the population. And, um, and I was relying on volunteers for translations and things like that. So I wrote a, um, a, a proposal and I applied for funds from our two of our local governments that um, the funding application was due around the same time as we were doing that pilot. So I was learning all this stuff. I was really immersing myself into information about the specific barriers faced by the population that we want to reach and applying for this funding that's supposed to be for equity um, for any dimension of health and well-being um, to create greater equity in our county. And we were we I wrote this grant, we were successful in getting it. And so I had the funding to be able to hire someone who was embedded in the population, who spoke the language. And I, uh, I had approached Dr. Maria Jose pretty early on, um, even though I knew that she, um, that, you know, it was very highly uh, a big stretch because we, the salary was not super large. The hours were great. You know, it's full-time position. I know she had a lot going on. But she's a person I had already known who was already working in this field, who's already plant-based, who's already focusing on the Latino population, who's already helping people heal diabetes, which is the really one of the biggest issues in that population, you know, through diet, through plant-based diet. But um, one of my leaders kind of prodded me, talk to Maria Jose. So I talked to her and she was like, well, it's not enough money. It's too much out. It was like, it's so predictable, but, you know, but send me the job description. I'll, I'll see if I know anybody. So I sent her the job description and it was so inspiring to her that when I called her up to kind of check in a, a month or two later when I was not finding anybody qualified and these people who were applying, lovely people, don't get me wrong, but didn't even live in the area and wanted to do it remotely. Um, I um, I just called to check in with her, see if she, if, you know, like maybe we could work something out, less hours or whatever. And she said, God had been working on her and she really wanted to support what we had to do. Okay, she has a master's in public health, a master's in human nutrition, a doctorate in naturopathy, and she's been doing this work for years. And she has this treasure trove of materials in Spanish and English, recipes, food demos. So, you know, it's like just Eferth Earth has been so supported, so supported. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, um... This time with you, Beth, has really increased my faith and the ability to just show up and keep working towards there. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Any final things you would like to? Well, you wanted me to share about the vegan grandmothers. So I want to say that I, you know, as, I, as much as my heart is with the vegan grandmothers and I don't get to support as much as I would like, I really um, feel inspired by your passion for this cause. And I do believe that when we get um, anyone who has that consciousness of a grandmother, who's like a fierce um, lover of our young people and knows the potential and knows the importance of creating um, a, 
a human presence on earth that is supportive of our young people, that 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 is so crucial. And that's such a key insight you had. And so I just feel so grateful to be, you know, considered a part of this vegan grandmother circle. And just really for my dear grandchildren, I mean, that's what motivates me. That's what's motivated me since I was a child was caring for the children of the world and wanting them to have, you know, a place where they could live and grow and be happy and contribute. And, you know, now that I have three beautiful grandchildren of my own, you know, it's, it's not that I care any less about the children of the world, but it's much more concrete to me, this passion that I want these children to have an earth that will sustain their life, healthy lives, compassionate lives, just lives over, you know, a full length of time. And I have so much sadness about some of the millennials that talk about how they don't even, you know, think about whether to go to um, grad school or have children or not, because they don't know whether it makes a difference or not, given that they're not sure that they're going to be able to have a planet to call home. And, and so this, this grandmother energy that you're, that you're gathering in, that you're calling forth um, really is powerful healing energy. And I just salute you and give thanks for you. And I'm grateful for this, um, this circle that is, that is growing in your loving, nurturing care. Thank you, Beth. Thank you. Mm. And how can people find you? Um, they can go to eatfortheearth.org. Um, and that is our website. Um, we also have two uh, Facebook groups if people want to join our Facebook groups. And those are linked from the front page of the website. We have a mailing list. We send out um, information fairly regularly, but attempt not to, um, not to overwhelm people's inboxes. And um, we have opportunities for volunteers near and far. Even though we started with this idea of um, acting locally and thinking globally. And we have lots of partnerships with people, climate healers, you know, Tammy, <laughs> Tammy Hay and uh, Plant Pure Communities, you know, uh, PCRM, all sorts of organizations and individuals around the world. Um, a lot of our, of our activism is direct local activism, but we also do um, engage with coalition. We love to, to partner with people. And we have opportunities for volunteers, whether they live locally or not, more for local volunteers. Um, you're not going to be able to come help us prepare some delicious food to sample out at a high school um, or to feed people who are, um, who are transforming their lives through a diet change um, if you live remotely. But there is an opportunity for you to serve regardless of where you live. And, and we would love to play with you and serve with you and change the world with you. Thank you, Beth. I would be honored, as all the listeners would be, if you would just end with a blessing and, um, and a prayer. Thank you. Okay. Let's just pause for a moment. Well, let's take a deep, deep cleansing breath together. And let it out. Let's take another deep cleansing breath. Release. One more deep breath. And as we release the breath, we release tension, worry, fear, anxiety. And as we breathe in, we breathe in grace. 
and understanding and compassion, possibility, consciousness, freedom, and ease. We go to that place to the most divine in any name, in any way we conceive of the divine. And we know that it is perfect, whole, and complete, always has been, always will be. We know that it is all-powerful, everywhere, present, infinite, and eternal. We know that it is purely benevolent. And we know that we are one with this one, that there is no separation. If the divine is infinite and eternal, how could there be anything else? There is nothing else. There is no thing that can oppose the divine, the all-powerful. And so we are one with this one. And we are fully supported in it. It is breathing and moving and living in as and through us. And we are breathing and moving and living in as and through it. And so we know we are supported. We know that we can bring any fears, worries, concerns to its altar. We can leave them there to be blessed, to be uplifted, to be healed, to be transformed, to be transmuted into whatever it is that needs to come through us. And so we embrace all parts of ourselves because we know indeed there is only the one. But we allow any voices to be shared that need to be shared. And we continuously bring ourselves back to truth, to the spiritual truth that we know, that we serve a mighty God by any name, and that this work that we are doing to be stewards of this earth that is so worthy of great stewardship and to be stewards of these body temples and these other living beings with whom we share this planet, that this work is so worthy and that we are worthy of it and in it and that we are guided and fully supported in it. So we can relax, we can trust, we can know that all of this is in the capable care of the one who is all powerful. And we can leave it there the absolute expectancy that this or something better manifests. And deep, deep gratitude and faith. Thank you, beloved. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We let it go. We let it be. We know it is done. And so it is. Amen. And so it is. And so it is.